So I want to take a moment now to thank the Digital Hub because they are the main sponsors for this season of InspireFest, the podcast. The Digital Hub is in the Liberties in the heart of Dublin City. It's a collaborative space and it's home to lots of technology and digital media companies. But it's more than just an office. Hi, my name is Emma Walker. I'm director of Waxman PR, which is a strategic communications agency for blockchain companies worldwide. It's wonderful to be at the Digital Hub to have all these wonderful innovative companies around us. You can find out more about Emma and lots of other innovators at thedigitalhub.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to InspireFest, the podcast. We are already at episode six. Can you believe it? This week, we got to speak to a really interesting Irish composer called Emer Noon. Now, Emer is an award-winning composer and conductor. She has worked on all sorts of interesting things. She composes music for video games, including like massive games like World of Warcraft. And she also conducts orchestras that play music, uh, you know, suites of music from video games like The Legend of Zelda. I was really interested to meet Emer and find out about what it is that she does and and her creative process, how she uses music to to really craft the narrative in these games. We caught up with Emer just after her amazing talk at InspireFest. I mean, she really blew people away from the stage and literally we nabbed her when she came up the stage and we sort of, you know, bundled her into the podcast room and had this really interesting conversation with her. So yeah, let's hear how that went. Yeah, if we just, if you wouldn't mind just saying your name, uh, who you are and what you do. Emer Noon, I'm a composer and conductor of music, primarily for video games. Tell us a little bit about your background. You're a trained classical musician, so how did you come to be writing music for games? It's sort of logical when you see the way game audio and scoring has developed over the years. I always loved film music. And really, when I was at school, we had, you know, my brother's playing Duck Hunt. That never occurred to me that gaming and and music would come together the way it has. But I, I guess it was kind of inevitable. As soon as the game engines became capable of hosting giant orchestral symphonic scores, you know, that's what we did. So... How did you yourself make that transition? Um, you know, what? How did you initially train, and then what sort of? How did you practically move into that area? It actually was completely by accident to begin with. Until I realised, wow, this is this is amazing. How can I get more of this? Um, my first credit is on Metal Gear Solid, and that was complete accident. I'm in the choir and we threw together some choral parts in Dublin in college, uh, literally recruited from the Buttery Bar in Trinity uh, to do that one and didn't know what I was working on until the credits, until my brother saw my name in the credits. Actually, somebody recently took the video and sent it to me of the credits from Metal Gear. But uh, the next one was uh, I was working as an assistant orchestrator to a Hollywood orchestrator work. He was primarily doing movies. And, you know, he said, oh, we've got some video game. Can you can you do it? So I ended up doing most of the work. Was thrilled, delighted, working with the orchestra. So, so excited. And it turned out to be the first World of Warcraft. When I was a kid, I didn't really have a role model who does 
what I do. I spend my life either on the podium, or in front of a sequencer, in front of an orchestra. There wasn't anybody who looked like me in Ireland doing what I wanted to do. And for a lot of you out there today, you're going to push the boundaries of science and technology into areas where there are no role models for you. You must be that role model for the future and for those behind you. So growing up in East Galway, in a village of 580 people, like every other little girl, all I wanted to be was a conductor and composer of symphony orchestras. <laughs> Unfortunately, the population was so small that there weren't enough people to tell me I couldn't do it. So as a little kid, I have a vivid memory of walking past the TV and seeing this guy with giant white curls in a tuxedo on a podium with all these musicians doing this crazy exciting stuff. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. So in that same year, my uh, career as an Irish dancer got cut horrendously short, and tragically so, uh, when I was sent home for being <clears throat> too giddy. <laughs> of course, I read the note that was sent home to my mother. Um, but the problem for me was naturally, I couldn't move my arms. I mean, what are you going to do? So decided to make that my career. At 12 years of age, at career guidance class in the Convent of Mercy in Ballinasloe, I wrote, when I grow up, I want to conduct the orchestras in Vienna. Poor Sister Mercedes didn't know what to do. Okay. So going further on studying music, I eventually ended up in Trinity College um, studying, strangely enough, music. Um, a combination of stubbornness, bloody-mindedness, and not knowing any better is what got me that far. However, I was always driven by a passion for music. And as much as this started as the Go Mighty Ducks story, it would be unfair to those of you in the audience on your way up to paint it as that and I'm going to give you a little taste of the reality for me. So at 19 years of age, I was asked by someone that I had grown up watching on TV who was doing everything I dreamed of, what do you want to do with your music degree? And I said very quietly and very nervously, in case the gods might hear and laugh at me, I want to be a composer and a conductor. Now, the gods didn't laugh, but the guy I was talking to did. He not only laughed, he called over his friend, and they both laughed. And this is someone I had grown up admiring. And he said to me, you don't have a chance. You've got three things going against you. You're young, you're Irish, and you're female. True story. Besides giving me the perfect title for my autobiography, <laughs> I'd like to say it didn't hurt and it didn't make an impact and I went, I'll show him, but it did hurt. Music is very important for games. Can you explain why that is? Well, if you look at game art, the artists create, I mean, if you take say Diablo, I'm going to pick a, a Blizzard title. Um, the landscapes are almost Dali-esque. They're very deep and they're just so detailed. So it requires that sort of 
giant musical machine and expressive machine that is the orchestra, choir, ethnic instruments from all around the world. And we take a lot of our inspiration from what the artists have done. Um, and, you know, really the audience deserves that. The art deserves that. It deserves the full treatment. So that's what we give it. And uh, we're very, very serious about getting it right. And as well as that, it's an immersive experience for the player. The gaming community really love us for going the extra mile and they let us know if we don't as well, which keeps us honest, you know, it's it's good. It's I, I enjoy it as much as, you know, it freaks me out when I, I see the little dots in Blizzard of how many people are playing World of Warcraft at any one time, you know, it's like, oh my God, I better, you know, pull up my socks and do a good job. But um, that's, that's kind of... That's kind of it, really. And tell us about um, your role in the design and development. When do you come in as a musician, as an artist, as a composer? At what point? Has, you know, obviously the art has been developed to a certain extent. Is there a push and pull or, or are you given, you know, a, more or less a fait accompli on the game's development side and, and you have to work within that? Well, it's a combination of all, all of those things and it, it also depends on the game developers and the game designers themselves. Um, I mean, when we did Warlords of Draenor uh, for World of Warcraft, it was a case where we did these exploratory uh, compositional sessions where we were given some, some art and it was literally the direction from the audio director, Russell Brower, was go and uh, tell a story with the music. So we did, and then that music was then fed back to the producers and the designers and everybody. And then they had it in, in literally in headsets while they were working, and then it was fed back to us again. And that's an unusual way of doing it. Um, the other thing is uh, you have two different worlds where music is required. Uh, one is the cinematic, which is the movie that sets up the story of the game. And that's scored very much like any movie. It's very action-packed usually, but it's synchronized to the millisecond. Whereas in-game music has a lot more, you can let it wash over you, or it can create an environment, a feeling. We don't have to worry about treading on dialogue. We have, you know, we can have a little bit more uh, compositional freedom. Um, but really, video games are, um, they're fitting exactly into what music history has always been, which is wherever there's a collaborative medium where composers can express their art, there you will find composers. Has technology changed how you compose music? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I remember hand copying, being in college and staying up all night, hand copying parts, you know, transposing the trumpet part into B flat, transposing the horns into F, all this. Whereas now I write directly into either a notation program or a sequencer. And that technology is always changing. It requires us to have a different skill set, but that's ultimately fine. So what happens is we often previs, they actually call it in, in, um, in directing, but we will give mock-ups of the score to the directors and then we can change it because we've created it inside a computer. Uh, and then we'll go, once everything has been changed and fixed and is good, then we'll take it to the scoring stage to the orchestra. Fewer than 1% of conductors in the world are women. Fewer than 2% of composers for media are women. So going forward, I decided orchestra pits, you know, nobody will see me. My voice will be the same as any other conductor. I worked for the Los Angeles Ballet conducting for them. And then the recording studios, Fox, Skywalker Ranch, recording 
copious film scores and video game scores. So then comes E3 2011. At this point, I'd recorded a lot of video game music, a lot of film scores. And I was invited to take part in the 25th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda, an amazing game franchise that I had played as a kid. So I'm in the orchestra pit with the orchestra in Nokia Theatre downtown Los Angeles. And it's like the slowest fairground of your life. It started up, we're in a hydraulic stage uh, under, in the basement. It starts to move like and the orchestra is looking at me like I'm absolutely mental. How did we get here? We come up out of the, out of the stage, out onto the stage from the basement and the loudest cheer I've ever heard. 8,000 people cheering for a symphony orchestra like we were the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. And that moment for me, the thing of being the 1% just exploded, gone for good. Because I realized something. I realized that video game music had become the soundtrack of the lives of millions of people. If you are, say, suppose developing a, a theme for an iconic character, you know, do you sort of just live with that character in your head for a while and wait for inspiration to strike? Or how do you sort of encourage the muse to visit you for these specific projects? Uh, the same as everybody else, I would say, which is you beat your head off a wall and then you'll take a shower and bing, there it is. Um, or you, you're, this, happened, this actually happened to me. Uh, I was walking down, down um, uh, Wexford Street one day and there's a guy going by with a broken spoke and his bike was going... And I went, okay, that's plagiarism. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's wherever creativity comes from. Um, and it's almost like the harder, <laughs> the harder you chase it, the far, faster it runs. Um, there's a great word that uh, Wagner had for that same thing, which is light motif. He would create a motif for a specific character in his opera. And we do the same thing in video games. <laughs> Wagner, video games, same thing. Um, in terms of, of the, the games industry, generally, I suppose, um, and particularly for composing for games, what do you think are the biggest risks coming down the line for, for games composers like yourself? Well, you could uh, trip over the podium in the, uh, uh, in the scoring session. You could, you know, impale yourself with a baton by falling in. There's, there's in terms of risk, um, I, love, uh, I love video games as a medium for com composition. Um, I think um, it, what's happening with films, because I work on film as well, is uh, directors have shied away from the big themes, the big, uh, iconic, you know, uh, John Williams-esque kind of stuff. And uh, there's a lot of textural music written for things. And I understand why, and it makes sense. But video game directors like the big theme. I get, here's one thing I get all the time. So I, I'm one of the two conductors on video games live. And uh, I get asked as a composer, I want the kind of theme that you can imagine on the stage at video games live. And I was like, okay, I can imagine that. <laughs> I've done it a hundred times. But, um, but that's a slight difference. But I would say, in terms of risk, I think it's becoming more fun because now VR and AR are coming in. We've got, we're going to have lots of ways to, to work with sound where it's fully immersive, that's really interesting and, and ignites your imagination. 
health risks yeah can be deadlines can be stressful <laughs> but orchestras can be stressful yes you heard me um but uh but other than that it's it's uh it's a good place to be so a lot more opportunity than risk then at the moment yes i think so uh, i read an article yesterday uh, i think it was a bbc article that said that the upcoming intermingling of vr in the gaming world with the music industry um, if done properly could reignite and, and reinvigorate an industry that was decimated by the digital age 20 years ago so we'll see it's up to us and our creativity to uh, take it to the next level as a journalist I, I write articles and i suppose i've gotten so used to them over the over the, the years and years and years as i almost see them forming before my eyes and i can see the shape of them before i write them and things like that do you have a similar sort of visual thing with music do you see it forming or, or where, where do you feel it forming in you that's a really good question and the, I've never been asked that before and the answer is absolutely. Um, the other thing that I hear is uh, when I look at artwork I'll hear the instrumental colours based on what I'm looking at. And that sounds really weird but I'll, I hear having, you know, I, this is a great thing about being a conductor as well as a composer is I live inside the orchestra every week, you know, and I can hear, I hear certain instrumental combinations as colours so when I see the artwork I hear that sort of sound uh, and that helps me and it, it helps make it fit actually because there's something about that that is real, that works. Um, and uh, you know woodwinds uh, spaced out, we call it voiced in a certain way, can be very cold and very blue-grey kind of sounding and really intense strings can have the heat of a reddish russet kind of colour you know. Uh, it's not rocket science but it, it, it's sort of there in my imagination. That's fascinating, that, that kind of intuition that you have. Um, just a, a slightly related question. I mean, when you are going to compose a piece, do you have almost like preformed little sort of almost like Lego blocks saying, oh, if I want a bit of tension, I'm going to go with this. If I want a bit of drama, I'm going to go with that. Does it ever work that way for you? Well, sometimes the scene dictates uh, and that's exactly what you're talking about is sometimes you need to create tension. And you know what? There are definitely basic techniques that we know this will produce this effect and it's 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 like anything else you have a vocabulary but it's up to you to be poetic and express in a way that transcends the vocabulary so thank you for listening to another episode of InspireFest, the podcast. In the next episode, we'll have something completely different. Uh, we're going to be talking about microfinance and crowdfunding money. And we're going to talk to Matt Flannery, who's the co-founder of Kiva and Branch. So be sure to join us. In the meantime, spread the word about InspireFest, the podcast, to make sure you catch up on any episodes you've missed. And thanks for listening. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. If you want to find out more about InspireFest, be sure to check out InspireFest.com. This episode was produced by Bureau. I've been Claire O'Connell. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, folks, that InspireFest 2018 is on June the 21st and 22nd in the Borgosh Energy Theatre in Dublin. So do go along to InspireFest.com and check out the speakers, book your tickets and come along because you won't regret a minute of it. There are not only the super speakers on stage, but also wonderful people go to InspireFest and there's a lot of events and it's a huge amount of fun. So come along. I'm Vicky Tumili. I'm a... I run tech events advocating diversity in tech, uh, so like coding workshops and monthly meetups. And uh, at InspireFest, I had such a great blast yesterday. I'd gone over my star, starstruck kind of phase. It took me a full day, which was all yesterday. 
I was just surrounded by people in and out of theatres and it's been amazing. I like just by coming to Inspire Fest, what you, you always surprise yourself of what you find here. Everything's unexpected. Like every single year has been completely different and has been an amazing experience.